All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another regular season of Eagles football. It's the regular season of Eagles enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's your boy KB with you and joining me like he does every time the Eagles take on the Falcons. It's my good friend David Walker from the Falcoholic SB Nation's Falcons blog. David, welcome back to the show. My go-to Falcons guy. It's another football season. And uh, like we said before we started recording, we're both ready to be disappointed by uh by two birds we're two birds of a feather if you will i think that's why we get along so well we're so used to being disappointed by our teams uh this falcons team a bit of a turnover this offseason most notably julio jones going off to the titans uh take me through that whole process from a falcons perspective what kind of went wrong with julio and why did he you know find his way out outside of uh getting duped on first take or undisputed, whichever one it was with, uh, was it (laughs) Shannon Sharp on undisputed? Uh, just take me through just the pain and suffering that has been Julio Jones (laughs) heading to Tennessee. Well, you know, uh, Arthur Blank once said Julio Jones would be a Falcon for life. And, uh, that feels like sort of the reverse curse where, uh, now, if you say that about a player, it's almost a guarantee they're going to be gone in a short yeah. period of time. It's kind of like the mafia, the mafia boss saying, oh, I love this guy a lot. and He's, he's gone the next episode. Um, yeah, you know, it, honestly, uh, veteran reporter Jeff Schultz had been talking about this possibility in Atlanta for months. He started talking about it back in March, well before anyone else was covering it. And for cap reasons, you know, they, they knew that uh, – once they converted Matt Ryan's salary to a bonus, there was absolutely no way they were going to move on from him this year. Um, and yet the Falcons cap situation was a disaster because of the uh, previous GM, Thomas Dimitrov. Um, so Terry Fontenot had to find cap space somewhere. So the move made sense purely from a financial standpoint. Obviously, fans didn't want to see it. Um, but really, you know, we didn't find out till later that Julio wanted out. He wanted out of Atlanta. Um, you know, what the reason was is uh, to, in many ways, it's still unclear. I think a lot of fans are still sort of asking what could the team have done differently? You know, they, they gave him an extension just after two years, made them the highest paid wide receiver in football. Um, and honestly, you know, it, it's the past couple of years, I think fans have seen uh, Julio sort of be less effective on the field as Calvin Ridley has emerged uh, not to say that Julio was bad. <laughs> Don't misinterpret that. Like he was still uh, an amazing receiver, but in, periodically Julio was missing games or would you know be pulled out of the plays. Was playing you know seventy five percent or less of snaps in games, and it was beginning to have an impact. And I think it, it, things just came to an impasse. Um, I don't know that we'll ever know the full story of why Julio was upset with the team, but it's frustrating because I think fans got it in their head. I got it in my head that we were going to see an offense that had Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Kyle Pitts on the field at the same time, and it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I was shocked that it that it happened. Like you said, you know, it didn't seem like one of those things that would ever be real, Julio Jones not being on the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, I also have to ask, how gross on a scale of 1 to 10 is it that he's wearing number 2 and not number 11 in Tennessee? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. They Everybody I say, they're like, oh, it's great. He, he looks great. No. Number yeah. two is not a Julio Jones number. It's not a wide receiver number, no. but Julio Jones should not be wearing number two. It's absolutely gross. No, it's it's terrible, and it's even worse. You know that uh, it's the number that his uh, quarterback for you know first ten years of his career wears. Uh, 
but I get it. He didn't want to take away. And actually, I think uh, Brown offered to give him 11 uh, when he came to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just he turned it down. But uh, yeah, it's 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 very cringy. And I'll be honest, the Falcons played the Titans in the first preseason game this year. And Julio didn't even make the trip. And I was so grateful. Like, I just I didn't even <laughs> want to deal with it. So uh, and effectively, it was like you traded Julio Jones for your new head coach. Arthur Smith is now in the fold yeah. leading this team. What excites you the most about uh, bringing Arthur Smith in, knowing what he was able to accomplish as the offensive coordinator in Tennessee? Uh, he's not Dirk Cutter or Dan Quinn. Yes. Like, uh, I, honestly, I, I think if you look at uh, what Dirk Cutter did, uh, not just these past two years, but even going back to Tennessee, the man has never been able to uh, put – put a running game on the, on the field. that was ever, ever Uh, like the last time he had a good running game as a offense coordinator was with Maurice Jones drew (laughs) back in Jacksonville. I'm dead serious. Like that is the last time he legitimately had a good running game. Um, And that's, that's a really, really sad comment. And, you know, honestly, the, the, the Falcons were at their best offensively in 2016 when they had a top rushing attack, when they had Devontae Freeman, um, Tevin Coleman, you know, as a one-two punch, they were, I think, second in rushing or fourth, fourth or fifth in rushing and second in passing. Um, they were a really balanced offense. And I think that's what Arthur Smith is going to bring. Um, obviously, he had Derrick Henry in Tennessee. We don't have a Derrick Henry in Atlanta. Um, but I think scheme-wise, uh, he's going to do a lot of things that ha- has been missing uh, in Atlanta since, uh, I would say, Kyle Shanahan, but even – uh, Steve Sarkeesian was doing things better than Dirk Cutter, which is uh, saying a lot, <laughs> saying a lot. You know, like Dirk Cutter was uh, just I, I can't I can't emphasize enough how disastrously bad he was this this tenure with the Falcons. I'm convinced the only reason he came back was to get revenge on Matt Ryan for beating Tampa Bay so many times that it cost him his job uh, as head coach uh, that he decided to sabotage from within. Um, but I, I do think Arthur Smith is coming in uh, and, and will have a big impact on the offense. Um, I, I don't know that that will be out of the gate because I'll be honest, uh, Fletcher Cox terrifies me going against the interior of our offensive line. Yeah, and I mean, that is, that's got to be the biggest concern, I think, if you're the Falcons going into this mm-hmm. season is the offensive line plus you know a year older Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. What's kind of the vibe of this offense, even though, Julio's gone. There's still a bunch of playmakers. You have Calvin Ridley, who's going to take another step forward, I think, this season. You bring in the Philly boy, Kyle Pitts, um, to be the tight end, wide receiver, just Megatron hybrid that everybody wants to compare to Megatron, but nobody ever will be Megatron. Uh, (laughs) What is kind of the concern there with the offensive line and Matt Ryan's ability to, like, get the ball to those guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, we know who Matt Ryan is. If you give him time in the pocket, um, he's deadly accurate. Like he'll carve you apart. Um, but that hasn't happened consistently. Uh, and that's, you know, when he doesn't have time in the pocket, uh, he is not an athletic quarterback. He's not going to create outside the pocket. Um, I, I think he's, uh, he's better than people give him uh, credit for outside the pocket, but he's not, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, scramble and, and sling the ball 60 yards off balance. Like that's not his game. That's not who he is. And we know that, um, which is why you have to really, you know, sort of build an offensive line that's going to give him that, you know, two and a half, three seconds in the pocket consistently. Um, whether or not they've done that remains to be seen. Um, I, I do think 
you know, if you look at what Arthur Smith did in 2020 with the Titans, he had to go to several backups. Um, they lost Taylor Lewan, I think, early in the year. Uh, at one point, he had Ty Sombreo, uh, who we used to call turnstile Ty in Atlanta when he was here uh, at left tackle, lost him, went to their third string left tackle and still managed to get that offense uh, and that team to the playoffs. So there is some hope that his uh, history of being really good with uh, offensive lines will pay some dividends here. And the Falcons do have a couple of good players on the offensive line. Jake Matthews is is a solid left tackle. He's not flashy, but he's solid. Um, you know, Chris Lindstrom in the interior is a, a really good right guard. Uh, but then after that, there's, you know, like a bunch of question marks and whether or not they deliver in this first game is, is a big question. And um, honestly, the, like this is a hell of a matchup for a rookie like Jalen Mayfield, uh, first time starting center Matt Hennessy to go up against um, the criminally underrated uh, Fletcher Cox every year. Like that's one hell of a matchup. And, and honestly, it's one of the things I'll be paying attention to the most. <laughs> Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. And I mean, in the backfield, you guys brought in Quadzilla. Mike Davis has tree trunks for legs. He's he's officially on my board as a, he was a certified member of 2021's Thick Boy Summer. Um, that man should just be able to wear shorts every game and just have pads on those quads to protect them at all costs. Truly. What excites you the most about Mike Davis? I feel like he brought so much to the table in Carolina when Christian mm -hmm. McCaffrey was out, kind of rejuvenated his career of being labeled as like one of those in-between-the-tackle bruiser backs. He's... Mm -hmm. He's an electric running back, and I think he can bring a lot to a position that's lacked for this Falcons team since, like you said, 2016 with yeah. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman going as a one-two punch. Yeah, it's crazy. The entire running back position, uh, they don't have a single player left over from last year now. They just cut uh, Quadriolison, who was our only carryover, and he's gone. Um, and honestly, I was a I was a big fan of them bringing, bringing in Mike Davis. We saw him two times last year. Uh, and you know, given all of the challenges Carolina had on offense last year, he really played well. Uh, I think people sort of you know think of him as just a pure running back. I think he had like 59 receptions last year, so he's actually really good out of the backfield as a receiver as well. And that part of his game, I think, is going to be something they're going to lean on a lot. Um, plus, you know, the guys behind him, Cordero Patterson, is the kind of guy if you can get him the ball in space and get him a head start he's gonna he's just electric once he's got the ball in his hands um and you know the the kid they just signed uh in exchange for uh <laughs> cutting quadriolis and uh is you know has had good productivity with the giants last year so uh, honestly i think this running back uh group is better than it has been in a while uh, again i think it's a lot of it's going to come down to the offensive line but i do like what they've done to stock this position 
Let's talk about Kyle Pitts, the, the top pick. <laughs> you have Hayden Hurst on this team as well. How do you view Kyle Pitts in this offense? How do you think Arthur Smith is going to utilize him, seeing what he did with Johnu Smith in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. How do you think they'll use his freak athletic abilities? Uh, do you see it as kind of like that hybrid tight end wide receiver? Or do you think oh, he'll yeah. play strictly at tight end? Oh, no, they're they're going to flex him out. Um, I was able to see one of the practices they had early on, and the one thing that stood out was Kyle Pitts was lined up at every position, um, in line, X, Y. Uh, it, it didn't matter. They were, they were, he would be the, the furthest out wide and then you know swing him back in in line for a running play. This is one of the things I think Arthur Smith is going to be really good about. He is going to, and this is something you saw from him in Tennessee the past couple of years. He loved to constantly manipulate the safety. So that's one of the things he he did most frequently. He got those safeties moving around and had them unsure in the in uh in the back part of the secondary for the other team. Uh and Kyle Pitts is gonna be a big part of that. Um, what if we've seen very little of him? He had one play in the preseason. Now, that one play was freakishly impressive, uh, where literally Kyle Pitts, you know, it was a simple jet screen, uh, creative play, uh, like a three-yard pass to get him the ball, stumbles, like literally stumbles and has to regain his footing and then gains 27 yards on just, you know, his sheer speed and, and his ability to run guys over. Um, I think that's what we're going to see initially because tight end is such a difficult position to transition to in the NFL. Um, you know, it, very, very few guys come in and, and get a thousand yards uh, in their first season. It rarely has ever happened for a tight end. I think they're going to scheme things uh, for Pitts as he learns the game, as he gets up to speed in the game. Um, and honestly, you mentioned the other name you mentioned, I think could be the guy to pay attention to Hayden Hurst, I think could be out for a breakout year uh, simply because he's going to have Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts gaining a ton of attention he's sort of going to be the odd man out in those two tight end sets where teams aren't going to pay as much attention to him. And I think he is going to benefit. He's also in the contract year. So he wants to, you know, have a, uh, a big impact. I actually think Hurst is uh, sort of a wild card player to watch here. Cause uh, as good as Pitts, I think will be over the long term. I think right now Hurst is the guy that's going to see the most favorable looks uh, from week to week. It kind of reminds me of when the Titans had Delaney Walker and Johnny Smith running that that dual tight end threat, and both of them do very different things, but the things they Mm do different from one another will benefit the offense in so many ways. Do you think the Hayden Hurst for Austin Hooper trade-off has worked well for the Falcons? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was a big Austin Hooper fan. I still am. Uh, And, uh, you know, they – crazy got that second round pick from the Patriots for Muhammad Sanu. I, I still don't know how they swung that trade. Um, and I love Sanu, but he was not worth the second round. Not pick. at all. It ruined the wide receiver market. That it year. sure <laughs> did. Everyone looked around like, what is new England doing? They screwed everything up. Um, and uh, honestly, they, they flipped that pick for, uh, for Hayden Hurst. And, I like Hurst, and I think you know he's. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he will do well this year. I don't think he's going to be back in Atlanta after this year because I think he's probably going to command more money than what they're going to want to give to their second tight end option. Clearly, he's going to be tight end too behind Pitts. You know, you don't draft a guy at four to make him your secondary uh, option at tight end. Um, so, you know, from a value perspective, no, I, I think that trade to get Hurst 
I think it was more desperation than anything. Um, and as much as I like him, like trading a second for a guy you have for two years is just not a good, it's not a good move. They get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The defense has been the the one that's made you personally pull all of your hair out over the oh, past couple of years. Um, how are you feeling about this defense this year? It's a lot of, you know, still kind of newer pieces, a lot of kind of unfamiliar names outside mm-hmm. of my guy, Steven Means. Um, which we'll definitely talk about him. Uh, but how do you, how are you feeling about this defense going into the season? You know, the, the big wild card here is the defensive coordinator, uh, Dean Pease. The, the man is a legend. Um, he has coordinated some amazing defenses. Uh, he's, he's 72 years old and he is still kicking. And uh, he's the big sort of difference maker here. Um, the one thing that I think if you were to ask Falcons fans, uh, that was that drove us the most nuts in the Dan Quinn era was his tendency to rush three, drop eight on third down, like consistently rush three, drop eight. We would all, that's what made us pull our hair out. Um, once he was fired and Raheem Morris and Jeff Ulbrich took over, the Falcons actually finished in the top 15 in DVOA in 2020, which is hard to believe. But if you go back and you look at what they did to Kansas City, it was sort of a preview of what would end up happening in the Super Bowl. Um, that is what Dean Pease is aiming to do. Uh, and we've already seen it in this preseason. Uh, he is going to bring pressure from every position group, safeties, corners, linebackers. Um, he is going to try to bring pressure from everywhere on the field uh, and be dynamic about it. And that has us excited. Um, as, as for the players, you know, they've got some good pieces. Grady Jarrett, I think, is – um, one of the best interior pass rushers in the league right now. Um, you know, Stephen Means is a good uh, role player on the outside and the, and the outside linebacker. I think Dante Fowler could be better this year because he's not going to be playing through a high ankle sprain like he did in 2020. Um, Deion Jones is one of the best cover linebackers in the league. Um, and A.J. Terrell, our, our corner uh, first-round pick last year, I think is due for a breakout. Um, he's looked really good in camp. Um, so there are individual pieces. The, the sum of the parts is going to depend on Pease and what he does as a defensive coordinator. If he can replicate what the Falcons did in the back half of last year, this will be a better defense than people are are thinking. They'll be they'll still like their peak is maybe middle of the road, um, but like literally in Matt Ryan's career, that will be one of the highest rated defenses he's ever had on the other side of the field. What do you think it is about this? Falcons just as an organization with like I guess for lack of a better term the lack of emphasis on the defense and mm-hmm. trying to just kind of put as many weapons in front of Matt Ryan as possible and then when it comes down to it the defense is kind of like a an empty cupboard it's not for lack of trying like they spent uh two first round picks in the past you know five six years on pass rushers um, but they completely flamed out. You know, Vic Beasley uh, turned into a complete bust uh, after looking like uh, in 2016 he was going to be, you know, our our top tier pass rusher. Um, and then Tack McKinley, who they grabbed in the first round a few years back, 
uh, just couldn't get it together. Um, and so in, in many ways, it's not that they haven't tried to address the, the defense. It's just that the previous regime, every time they tried it with those first round picks on defense, they, they just, they didn't hit. Uh, I think the last first round pick on defense that really worked out was Desmond Trufant, uh, who was a quality corner for, you know, his seven, eight years in Atlanta. Um, but other than that, all of their picks on defense have really just been disappointments um, with some noted exceptions. You know, but Grady Jarrett, they got in the fifth round. So it's not like they were, you know, going after this guy and saying, hey, this is going to be the anchor of our defense. They grabbed him in the fifth round thinking, OK, you know, maybe he can be a, a role player or a contributor. Um, and then Deion Jones uh, and, and Foye Luokan, who are, are in inside linebackers, you know, they were dra- drafted in the second and the in the sixth round. So um, it, it's almost like they should have just spent, you know, second and through seventh round picks on the defense because they just couldn't hit anything in the first round. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. My man Stephen Means has carved out one hell of a career in Atlanta. He has. What has it been like, you know, just for him to kind of go from a guy who was just a preseason darling with the Philadelphia Eagles for so long, would mm-hmm. play in that fourth preseason game, get on the practice squad, get cut, and then he ends up in Atlanta and he's been able to stick with you guys. Yeah. Uh, what's what's Stephen Means like and what's he no pun intended, mean to this defense. Well, it, it's funny. This year, his role has morphed even more. I, I, you know, he was, I think, limited or injured a good bit of last season. Um, but this year, he has been a key player on the field who's been helping to mentor some of the young guys that they brought in. Um, the the kid out of Notre Dame, uh, Ogun Deji, uh, has been spending a lot of time with Stephen Means. And I think those are the, the sort of intangible things you want from players like that, where – uh, he, he is bringing along and, you know, he's worked a lot with uh, Jacob Tuyo to Mariner, who is one of our other outside linebackers. Um, so whereas, you know, means uh, as a player has been, um, I think the kind of guy you want to help fill out the, you know, the back end of the roster, uh, what he's done just this off season in helping some of these young guys come along, I think is really one of his biggest contributions. And honestly, he is, he's been earning those first team reps. Uh, I'll be surprised if it's not him on the opposite side of uh, Dante Fowler as the starting outside linebacker for the defense. And this team, for whatever reason, has one of the best kickers in the NFL. <laughs> I love young way uh, And for, for the way that this offense operates with the offensive line issues and, and potential of not being able to get the ball into the red zone to score, mm-hmm. they got to rely on him heavily. What's he been like as, as this team's kicker and being able to put points on the board? Man, I, I I tell you that uh, we had a, a short season right after Matt Bryant um, was forced to retire uh, is the best way to say it, um, and to sort of stumble onto Young Waku uh, and have him come in and just become like the next Mister Automatic. Like he was phenomenal last year, 
uh, one of the most accurate kickers in the league. His the thing that blows my mind is like his ability to kick onside kicks. <laughs> I think the Falcons recovered like four of them in three weeks. Uh, in uh, of course, uh, obviously one of those was in the Dallas game where uh, it did come back to bite them. But Young which with today's NFL onside kick rules, it's like damn near impossible, and he's just a mad <laughs> scientist with it. Oh my god, he is, and uh, and. It, I, I can't explain it except to say that uh, it's part of his magic. Um, he is, in my opinion, he is one of the best pickups the Falcons have made um, as far as undrafted guys, you know, unsigned guys uh, over the past couple of years. Like you said, you know, the Falcons have struggled to, to uh, convert in the red zone, uh, especially in their dirt cutter. Uh, and Youngway was just cleaning it up. You know, the, that 40 to 50 range, uh, for those field goals, and he he just became Mr. Consistent. Uh, so to go from a Matt Bryant, who was incredibly consistent for his time in Atlanta for almost 10 years, to go from that to Young Waiku is like, uh, you know, knock on wood, but most teams have like these periods of struggle with kickers, and the Falcons have been... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, the, the, the Falcons have been fortunate enough to go from, you know, one Atlanta legend to like another incredible kicker. So it, it, we are fortunate and we do need it. And I feel like he's become such a fan favorite so quickly. Oh, too. absolutely. 100%. Fans love him. So uh, he's, he's fit in very quickly. And I feel like the special teams unit as a whole for the Falcons is going to be super pivotal this year. You bring in Cordero Patterson, like we talked about earlier. How do you view him as the kick returner this year? Just another year older for him, but he's been one of the most electric kick returners in the NFL over the last decade. Yeah, he is. Um, we haven't seen him yet uh, in, in the preseason. Uh, Arthur Smith has a philosophy of not playing his starters in the uh, preseason, which is fine. Uh, I, I get it. You know, we saw some injuries that maybe reinforced that uh, mentality, but uh, I do think he's going to be a big component of this. The other name to pay attention to, uh, is the kid they drafted in the sixth round, Avery Williams, uh, one of our corners. He was absolutely electrifying as a punt returner, kick returner in college. Um, they're going to ask him to take over the punt returner duties this year. Uh, he could be someone that could have an impact just on special teams as well. So uh, they are putting a bit more emphasis on special teams this year. Uh, and really at that returner position where the Falcons have been sort of inadequate really since Devin Hester was in town back, you know, going all the way back to like 2013. Yeah. I mean, with, like you said, the offensive line kind of being a question mark, Matt Ryan, not being mobile, getting that field position is going to be pivotal for this offense. Critical. Absolutely. So going into this game, it's Eagles and Falcons. It seems like it happens pretty much every year, which I enjoy. Um, you bring up uh, Fletcher Cox a lot. And I think the defensive line for the Eagles is going to be, one of their strong suits this year, just depth wise, you know, being able to use Ryan Kerrigan as a rotation guy is absolutely silly. Um, but I mean, that's got to be the matchup that I think everybody's looking at is the Falcons offensive line being able to contain just from all angles what the Eagles defensive line can bring. Yeah, I mean, that's 100 percent what I'm looking at. Uh, and, and honestly, when the Falcons offense uh, really stumbled uh, and not just under Dirk Cutter, but even under Steve Sarkeesian um, in 2017 and 2018, it was when the offensive line got dominated. And that is, and they don't have an Alex Mack in the center of the offensive line anymore. They're going with Matt Hennessy, uh, who we feel like has a good 
promising future ahead of him, but he's still the second year player. Um, and he's not Alex Mack and he has not proven himself yet. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, I think is going to, is uh, turning into one of the top offensive guards in the league. So we, we feel good about that. You know, I already mentioned Matthews, um, but at left guard, they already lost a starter uh, to a broken hand in the first, literally the first couple days of camp uh, or the, the season. And Jalen Mayfield, our rookie draft pick uh, is now starting at left guard. And um, what can he do? I don't know. Uh, and uh, what what kind of matchup nightmare is it to start a rookie off his very first game in the NFL against Fletcher freaking Cox? Um, and, and yeah, so this this is this is going to be a really interesting sort of audition for Arthur Smith as the new not just head coach but the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Can he scheme enough protection to uh, you know? make sure Ryan has enough time to actually take advantage of the great weapons he has. Cause if, you know, as you mentioned earlier, if he doesn't, it, it doesn't matter that you've got Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage, if you can't get the ball into their hands. It's been a long time. I feel like since we've had Eagles Falcons kick off with two first time head coaches as well. Yeah. It, it's golly. When was it Dan Quinn? I think, uh, I don't even know if we if we I don't we think it's ever that. like lined up. No, it it I don't think it has because uh uh going back to Dan Quinn, I don't think we played the Eagles that year and um you know back with Mike Smith all the way back to 2008. Um no, it's always been off script. <laughs> it's always <laughs> but there's always been drama like you know when yeah. you guys had Mike Vick for a while, um you know those turned into some really interesting games because of the history there. Like this series has actually provided some really compelling games over the years. And, you know, it's why I love talking about it. You know, there's been, you know, whether it's the playoff games or uh, the Mike Vick returns home games, it's just, there's always been something, uh, a storyline to cling to when, whenever the you know Eagles and Falcons meet. It's like a fun competitive rivalry. That's not like there's, there's barely any animosity between the right. Eagles and Falcons, but like when they play, it's always like, it's one of those that just gets put into the history books. It's like, oh, I remember that Falcons game from that yeah. year. Like, it's always <laughs> there. Uh, and, I mean, this Falcons defense gets a chance to go up against uh, a new quarterback as well. What yeah. What are you guys looking for Falcons-wise from Jalen Hurts and what he's bringing to the quarterback position and trying to shut that down? <laughs> Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's already know. I think that's we, how it always goes. We went goes like 45 minutes and we were at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to look at his athleticism, his ability to create outside the pocket. Um, that is what has really disrupted the Falcons in the past. And, uh, you know, this will be something where the name to pay attention to for the Falcons is Foye Luokan, who's going to be at Mike. Um, he will probably have one of the main responsibilities for keeping track of where Hertz uh, is on the field at any point in time. Um, now, I will say, I think Dean Pease is going to try to confuse Hertz as much as possible. Um, you're, you're going to see pressure coming from corner blitzes, you know, up, up the A-gap with the linebackers and the safeties. Um, they're going to try to disrupt Hertz as much as possible, get him outside the pocket, get him, you know, uh, out, uncomfortable. And uh, But, yeah, his athleticism, I think, is what really is going to have most Falcons fans – uh, chewing right through their fingernails for the majority of the game. And when you bring up those corner blitzes, does it concern you having those plays called with the speed that the Eagles are presenting at wide receiver this year from Devontae Smith to Jalen Rager? Uh, yeah. You know, the, the speed's all over the field, and Quez Watkins has emerged as, you know, a preseason darling in the slot. Mm -hmm. It's the most speed-filled wide receiver position, like, group for the Eagles that I can remember in my lifetime. There's always been that, you know, the cookie cutter 50-50 ball possession guy. There's been the outside speed guy and then the slot guy. There's speed all over the field. Yeah. How does that match up with this Falcon secondary trying to, you know, contain some of these speedy wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I mentioned A.J. Terrell. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, a key component here. Uh, but honestly, the, you look at the Falcons' secondary past him, and there's a lot of question marks. Fabian Moreau, I think, is going to be a decent uh, starting corner. Uh, you guys are probably already familiar with him. Um, Isaiah Oliver played better as a slot corner, but he is not necessarily a speed guy, which is really concerning as well. So, yeah, that, that's the other component of this offense that uh, when I look at these matchups, this is not a favorable matchup for the Falcons defense um, out of the gate. I would actually say in some ways they have better matchups uh, on the outside going up against the Bucks than they do against the Eagles. You mentioned the speed is a big component. Um, so yeah, this, if, if you're an Eagles fan and, and you're hoping for these, uh, quick, fast wide receivers to be, uh, your advantage in this game, you're absolutely correct. Do you think it, it favors the Falcons being that this game is at home? It always seems like the Falcons play against the Eagles much better when they're at home rather than on the road. I think so. And I think there's that component of the new head coach wanting to start off his, regime uh with a win and he's going to come out i think with all the stops because he's in front of the home crowd if he were on the road maybe you know he would save some of it but i think uh arthur smith and dean pease are going to aim for the home run ball in this one they're going to try to scheme as much pressure as possible uh, on the defensive side i think arthur smith is going to go into his bag of tricks and try to you know just take full advantage of guys like Kyle Pitts, um, it, you know, in the way that uh, hasn't been seen on tape before. Uh, so that is really what it's going to take, I think, to, uh, to gain the edge here. So I think the home field advantage is going to be advantage simply because these coaches are going to be highly motivated to start their new regime off with a win. You've been a, a frequent guest on Eagles enemies. We're adding a, a bit of a new question segment to kind of just have fun depending who's on. Uh, so I got two for you. It fits because we're playing the Falcons. 
which uh you know buddy cop duo do you think from this falcons team would best star in a spinoff of the falcon and the winter soldier <laughs> oh my god um you know what i i really like um from the falcons i'm gonna go with uh, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, they're 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 two very different types of receivers. Um, like Ridley is the absolute technician as a route runner, and Russell Gage is sort of this uh like crazy dynamic all over the field type of athlete. Um, and yet the two of them, you know, came out together. Uh they both came out in the, the 2018 draft class. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with that wide receiver duo for my answer. So which one would be Anthony Mackie and which one is the Sebastian Stan of the duo? Oh, Russell Gage is uh winter soldier. 100%. There we go. Like he's, <laughs> he's just unpredictable. You know, Calvin Ridley's that, you know, he's, he's he, the route runner. You know, he does understands the, the assignment. Yeah, exactly. And, and Russell Gage is like, oh, I'm just going to jump over guys and do some things to put my life on the line. And yeah, he has so, the cool yeah. dagger flip. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> Uh, and and probably risk uh, life and limb to you know pick up an extra five yards. And then uh, back in August, you tweeted about uh, Tesla announcing that they're working on an AI-driven humanoid <laughs> bot called the Tesla Bot. Which member of the Falcons do you think would be the first to purchase the Tesla Bot? Oh my God, um, man, that is such a great question. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with Matt Ryan because. Uh, frankly he's got the money to do it like that man has made bank over his career <laughs> uh and he has uh you know two twin boys and i can tell you as a father of three sons that if you would have given me access to an automated humanoid robot to entertain my uh wild and rambunctious sons i would have 100 percent taken advantage of it see i viewed it as matt ryan would buy the tesla bot to potentially make the legs his legs and extend his career <laughs> <laughs> you know what's hilarious is that uh, arthur smith actually told matt ryan he wanted him to work on his uh on his running this year on his uh on his speed as a runner and uh, i just thought to myself arthur you you've clearly never watched matt ryan play <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic uh david it's always a blast having you on for falcons week let everybody know where they can uh check out all your work you do for the falcoholic and where they can follow you on social yeah you can follow me on twitter at falcoholic dw uh host of the falcoholic podcast which is on all the major platforms uh and of course our articles every day at the falcoholic.com david's a great follow he's he's been one of my favorite follows on twitter since we met so make sure you guys are following him and uh, I'm sure we'll be tweeting absolute nonsense at each other come 100%. Sunday when the Eagles take on the Falcons. <laughs> David, it's always a pleasure, and uh, thanks for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe, 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every Eagles matchup throughout the season. We hope you guys enjoy Season 4 of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week. Go Birds.